0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Guys, a former sportscaster once said, for him, the start of the Indy 500 was the most spectacular event in sports. The start. He said, to though to see those turbocharged automobiles roaring around turn four and zooming across the starting line at 200 miles an hour, he said, man, that was the most famous race, incredible event. He says, man, he says, those supercharged, that just really was the most amazing thing. And when asked why, he said, man, I just love seeing, vroom, vroom. But then I started thinking about this and I started thinking, you know, a lot of those supercharged 200 mile an hour cars, right? They don't ever finish the race. A lot of them, believe it or not, they'll they won't finish because why? Well, some of them either get in a wreck or listen, some of them have mechanical difficulties. I mean, I mean, just they just in some instances, think about this guys, In some instances, something as minor as a failure of a $10 bolt could force that car out of the race. I mean, this is the Indy 500, right? As impressive as the start is, the important part of that race is finishing. The financial rewards and the honors, obviously, go to those not who start well, but those who finish well. So the driver, what do they do? The pit crew, man, they're constantly watching the gauges, evaluating the performances of the car so they can prevent breakdown and make the necessary adjustments along the way. Listen to me. Many people who start the Christian life don't finish well. And one of the saddest characters in the Bible I can think of is Solomon. And Solomon started out well. He started out great, right? He started out with noble motives. But along the way, Solomon wrecked. How did he wreck? He wrecked along the way in indulgence and compromise, In the New Testament, there's also a fellow by the name of Demas. And Paul writes this. He said, Demas, because he loved this world, he has departed from me. In other words, Demas just dropped out of the race. And you go, Pastor, what's your point? Well, here it is. You ready, church? Listen to me. Listen, church, we are in the fight of our lives right now. We are in the fight of our lives right now. We're in a spiritual battle that we've never, ever had to fight before. And here's what we should long for. The goal in our lives as a Christian should be this. We should long to hear, guys, we should long to hear those famous words from Jesus. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. We need to finish well. We need to finish well. The Apostle Paul, guys, who wrote this letter to the Corinthians, he's going to be teaching, he's going to be exhorting us to finish well. He's going to do this by demonstrating and illustrating his own unselfishness. Now, put your thinking caps on, okay? Put your thinking caps on. It was Solomon through what, guys? It was Solomon through indulgence and compromise. He was selfish. It was Demas who loved the world. Oh, the world. I've got it. The world that rendered him. Well, he was selfish. And so Paul goes, listen, listen, in order to exhort y'all, I need to illustrate my unselfishness to finish well, to finish well. Think about it, guys. Paul is in the fight of his life, if you will, if you'll permit me. Oh, oh, not in a physical fight, okay? But Paul's in the fight of his life, guys, listen to me, where the gospel of Jesus is being questioned, And we have to remember, we have to lay some foundation, and we have to remember what's going on here. In chapters 10 through 12, guys, Paul is doing something very interesting. He's challenging the remaining Corinthians who still question and reject him and his message. And he actually takes on what he calls the super apostles. Now, remember, Paul is not defending himself in these chapters, He's defending his apostolic office, and therefore the message preached. Now, I love this, because there are times I think, what would I do if I could have a cup of coffee with Paul? I'm sitting across the table, we're having a cup of coffee, and Paul would do this. He would look me in the face, fo- and he'd say, Ben, listen, he would explain that Second Corinthians, guys, was one of the most painful and personal letters he's ever had to write. Okay. This is what he's talking about. He's, he says, man, he said, I really had to, whew, this was hard. Well, Paul, tell, tell me more. Tell me more. He goes, well, you don't understand. He says, he says, man, this was really hard. I, I didn't just go, well, I'll tell them a few things. Those, those saints. I mean, they think they're everything. He's really, he's really showing his vulnerability. And here's what I thought, man. I love, I love, I love the heart of Paul. Why? Because if you don't see it here, guys, his heart was for people so much that even when he was boasting and yet another is defending who he is or who God is in his life, he has a humble spirit. This is who Paul is. Paul was like, guys, I, I, I need to tell you a few things, even though he felt uncomfortable bragging about himself as a believer. And you recall last week, guys, he bragged about what? Not his strengths, but he bragged about his infirmities and that his strength came from the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay? Now, listen, church. In light of where we're headed as a country, let us always remember to brag about Jesus. We need to brag about our weakness so God can be glorified. That's where we need to be. Listen. The Lord has blessed us with strengths, has he not? He's blessed us with strengths. But pride seems to get in the way when we brag about how good we are and how amazing we have become. Don't you just hate pride? God blesses us with certain gifts and we tend to Bow up our chest a little bit and say, yeah, you know what? Look at me. I can preach the Bible. I can do this thing, whatever it might be. And we get prideful. And, and, and again, this is not what he... I mean, I, I mean, think about this, guys. Think about what, what Paul t- taught us last week. In Second Corinthians chapter 12... Um, verses 6 through 7, not sure if it's on there or not, but he says this. He says, if I wanted to boast, notice what he says, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. He says, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given, what was he given, guys? A thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment to me for what reason? To keep me from being proud, proud. Guys, Paul walked in humility. Paul walked, listen, for the Christian, one of the hardest struggles is our pride and to walk in humility. Sometimes God has blessed. Listen, let me just say this, okay? Let me just say this. My little girl Talia is up here and she's playing the guitar. We started about the same time. You guys understand? Okay? And I'm sitting here going, I want to play the guitar. I want to play. I'm and I'm I listen, I can do some things on the guitar. I can play a note. Okay? I can do some stuff. But God has clearly gifted her. She's like, Dad, can you do this? And I'm like, and I'm trying to pull my fingers so they're longer. You know what I'm talking about? She's she's totally. But the, the point is, is that is that when, when God gifts us for and he and here's a beautiful thing. He's gifted every one of us. He's gifted in one way or another. He's gifted every one of us with something. That's the beauty. When you got saved, He's given you a gift. And you're like, I'm not sure what my gift is. It might be the gift of encouragement. It might be the gift. I mean, it, you, you don't know. You don't know. I'll never forget. I was sitting at Calvert Chapel, Santa Fe, and I was sitting there and I was listening to our pastor. And I was like, I was so just, just amazed with the gift that God had given him. I remember looking up and saying, God, if you could give me the gift of teaching, I think that would be amazing. Well, he did. He did. Now, unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize what I was asking for. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, okay. But here's the thing, guys. Be careful in your gifting, because we tend to get prideful at times. And Paul teaches us that he walked in humility. He walked in humility, okay? And... Here, here's what, here's Paul's heart. You ready? Jot this down. Paul's heart was to see people saved. His heart was to see people saved. We're living in a world today, guys, where I think we need to see people saved. Number two, guys, he, his heart was to see people taught the Word of God. Come on. Can, come on. We, we don't want my opinion up here, do we? We want the word of God. Pastor, teach us the word of God. This is where we need to be. You see, Paul's heart was the heart of Christ. And we should, too, have that same heart. Well, like what? Well, if you're taking note, let's talk about the heart of humility real quick. Real quick. Because I I want us to learn something today. The heart of humility, right? What is humility? Well, humility is often characterized as this, as a genuine gratitude and lack of arrogance, a modest view of oneself. That's humility. However, the biblical definition of humility goes beyond this. Humility is a critical and continuous emphasis of godliness in the Bible as we are called upon to be humble followers of Christ and trust in the wisdom and salvation of God. Let us be humble before our Creator, for the gift of life has been given to us. That's who we should be. We should walk with a heart of humility. When you think you're something, that's not humility. Well, what if God gives us more than one gift? We still walk in humility. Humility. You see, part of the gift, part of the gifting that God has given me is not only as a teacher, but as an evangelist. And I love to see people saved. And I have been in churches, guys, where where I have given an invitation and rows and rows and rows of people have filled up. I mean, unbelievable. That's not me. That's not me. Can you imagine? Wow, look how many people got saved. I'm like... Yeah, it's all me. It's all me. Would you like me to come to your church so people could get saved too? I'll just, I'm going to. How silly is that? No, you know what I do? I say, Lord Jesus, they've invited me to teach over there. Please, if there's anyone that needs to be saved, God, please use me. And then how can you break on what something God is doing? Right? How can you brag on what something God is doing? So we have a heart of humility, but we also should have a heart that, that sees people saved. I want to see people saved. Remember, check this out, guys. 14 years earlier, Paul was beaten within an inch of his life, dragged out to the city, and left for dead. That was Paul. What does he do? He comes up. He gets up. He's bloodied. He's beaten. He's bruised. His nose is crooked. No, I don't know if his nose is crooked. But you know what I'm saying. And what does he do? Instead of saying, forget you God," That's what I would say. You know what? Fine. You don't want Jesus. You don't know what I want to say. But what does Paul say? Paul says, I'm going to go back in there. Why, Paul? I w- if I'm having coffee with Paul, why, Paul? Why? Why would you go back into that city? They treated you like dirt, Paul. Nobody wants to be treated. Nobody wants to be somebody's... Carpet! Paul, what are you going to do? You know what he said? I want, I, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Man, people need Jesus. And it's the same today. People need my Jesus. He's the only one that can transform your life from the inside out. So many people are trying to transform from the outside. Look at me. I fixed my hair, I fixed my, and, and we're trying to be Christian. God was going from the inside and he changes us. Yeah, go. Only Jesus. And listen. Listen. This it's not, the Christian walk is not a sprint. It's, it's a long marathon. <sighs> and it gets tired. And sometimes guys, we go, How's it going? Oh, no, I can't run anymore. And, and, and you know what the Lord says? Come on. You got this. You got this. Am I preaching to somebody? Yeah. That's how we feel, guys, because it's the spiritual. Everything we try to do, everything we are. Listen, we need to stand up from the unborn. Come on now. Amen. We need to stand up. They, they need a voice. We're their voice. Yes. We need to be Pro-marriage. That's what the Bible says. We need to be, what? Pro-Israel. Amen. All of these things that we need to stand for. And it seems like we get punched back and forth. So, so what is it? My people need Jesus. My people need Jesus. They need Jesus. So you go, really, Pastor? Look at your life. Look how God has changed your life. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I think every one of us at one point or another goes, man, I really want to change who I am. I don't like who I am. I want to change. And we never could. We could change our hair. We could change our clothes. We could change our friends. We try to change everything. But we, but that same ugly personality kept coming out, wouldn't it? Until you got saved. And then instead of wanting to punch somebody in the throat when they made you mad, you wanted to hug them. Why'd you want to hug him? I'm changed. I'm changed. Yeah, but four years ago, I would have just punched him in the face. I know. That's how I know you're changed. You used to be the life of the party. You used to be the one, you know, living the you know, everything. Now you're just like, I got to tell you about Jesus. Yeah, but the Christians don't have any fun. Are you kidding me? We have the most fun. We really do. Because the next day, we're, anyway, I'm getting off preaching. I got to, I've got to. Stay here, or else we'll just. So he wanted to see people saved, guys. How many people do you know that need to get saved? I mean, really saved, radically saved. We got to tell them about Jesus. We've got to tell them, Pastor. I tell people about Jesus. Okay, you know what? My next step is live it in front of them. Live your convictions. Number three. Paul, we have to have a heart to see. He had the heart to see people taught the word of God. The word of God, guys. Listen, every one of us in here was like a tender plant. You guys understand that? Just a tender. We we took you out. We put you in this. We, we, there we are. Oh, Joe, you know about you know about this because Joe has like the best garden, and I mean he grows onions the size of his head. I mean that he knows how to do this. On a good year, we have squash for days because Joe knows. What. But here's the thing: like a tender plant, what Joe? He, here's the thing: he, here's the thing. For us to grow as believers, we need three basic elements, don't you think? We need water. Joe, do you water? Is your water bill high? It's a whole nother story. He waters. He waters his garden. You have to water it. What is that, guys? That's the word of God. You have to be in the word of God. You have to know what this thing says. And I know some of it, like in Jeremiah, you're going, huh? You get to Ezekiel, you're like, oh. If you read numbers, you're like, what is that about? But you gotta know the Word of God. This is how you grow. This is how you grow. Okay? All the other stuff is great stuff. All the other stuff, devotions are great stuff. Those are good stuff. Be in the Word of God. Can I get an amen on that one? Then you need sunlight. Joe, does your, does your garden need sunlight? You need sunlight, that's the Holy Spirit to illuminate the word. You go, what does that mean? How many of you read your Bibles?' <laughs> Somebody's like, Help me. how many of you read come on sit, how many of you read our Bibles, right? How many of you allow the Bible to read you? See that's the Holy Spirit illuminating let the whole, let the Bible read you as you go, <gasps> every time I, I sit there and I, I look at stuff guys, I go. I feel like I'm Israel, like I'm letting God down or I'm worshiping an idol. I, Lord, is that me? Lord, is that me? Am I doing this? Am I, am I doing this? And then what else does, Joe, what else does a tender plant need? It needs dirt, doesn't it? You gotta have soil. You gotta have some good soil. You know what that is? That's fellowship. That's fellowship, guys. That's, and you know what fellowship is? It's understanding everybody around us is dirt. Everybody's dirt. We're all dirt. And so we want to hang out with dirt. We're just like, yeah, fellowship. I love that. I love that. We need fellowship. You know what? You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to take away our dirt. Don't, 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 don't. Joe, sometimes we need a little help, don't we, Joe? We need We need fertilizer. Right? Sometimes we need fertilizer. Sometimes we need to put dung in our plants so we can grow. You know what that is? You're like, no. Guys, that's like trials in our life. The dung, the dirt, the fertilizer. Why? Because it's those trials that help us depend on God and not men. I don't think any one of us gets up and goes... Yay, trials today! Yes! We don't do that, do we? When I get up and I go, Lord, please, no trials today, please, 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 please. please. Can you imagine Moses? He was the pastor of two million people. Oh, Lord. When, when God came to Moses said, Moses, listen, they're sending down there, I'm going to wipe them all out and start with you. You know what I would have said? Do it. Because those people would be a pain. But he but he doesn't. You know what he says? You know what he says? He says, okay, these trials, here's what Charles Spurgeon says, guys. Trials teach us that what we are, they dig up the soil to see what we're made of. That's what trials do. That's what trials do. And so sometimes we gotta have those little trials in our lives. Sometimes we've got to go through hard stuff. That's not preached from the pulpit. Because okay? that, doesn't, that doesn't put people in the seats. Come to my church. We're going to talk about how you're going to suffer. And how there's going to be so much trials in your life. Nobody wants that. Do you, you ever pass by a church billboard or, or a marquee? Trials, come on in. We'll make sure you have them. You know, or whatever it might be. Nobody wants to go to that church. We want, come on, we want to be victorious. I understand that, but trials are a part of life, are they not? Trials are a part of life. Next time you're in a trial, is there anybody in a trial here today, this week? Yeah? Jesse, you're not. (laughs) If you're in a trial, ask the Lord, what am I supposed to learn? Teach me, God. Help me to grow in this. Because you're a tender plant. You're a tender plant. Now, back in our text, guys. You guys, thank goodness, because you haven't even got to. I know, I know. So today, today, we're going to look at Paul's heart. Okay? And if you read it, guys, you can um if you read it correctly, you can detect, detect a, a hint of sarcasm. Do you ever read that to somebody? This this is almost like Paul says this, right? Because he knew these so-called super apostles and these false teachers would actually read the letter. Okay? So here's our exhortation. You ready? My exhortation to you, church, listen to me, I want you to finish well. To finish well. Okay? Let me explain it, and then we'll jump into our text, I promise. But this is what the Lord is telling me to say. We went to a retirement dinner for a lieutenant colonel who was retiring from the Army. We went to this dinner, and he got up, and he spoke. And he spoke something more, more brilliant. And I think I've told you this story. But as he spoke, he said, my job over the last however many years, 25, 30 years, my job was to make sure that every one of my soldiers made it home. And he said, I'm proud to say I did that. That's my job. My job is to make sure every one of you make it home. To make it home. I need help. Pastor Soph helps. Jesse helps. Adam helps. All the people in here help. But we want to make it. We want to make sure people make it home. We want to make it home. Every one of you that helps, that's, that's our, but, but that's my goal. That's my goal. And so the exhortation is guys, we need to finish well. Finish well. And he's going to show us that by his unselfishness. Guys, check it out. Look at verse 11. He says, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me for I ought to have been commended by you for and nothing i was behind the most eminent apostles though so i am nothing okay so let's stop there paul says his conscience is that he said that basically this has been an exercise in foolishness i don't want to have to let's not i don't need to compare resumes I don't need to tell you everything the Lord is. It's it's foolishness, but the Corinthians drove him to it. And he says, listen, by now I ought to be commended by you. I ought to be commended by you. Let me give you it in another way. He says this, a lot of you have made me act like a fool, and, and you ought to be writing commendations for me. Now, I know what you're thinking. Now, what you think, you're going, wait, that word commendation means that Paul was like, you ought to be commending me as somewhat prideful. No, no, no. Let me give you the Greek word, okay? The Greek word means to indicate approval of a person or an event with the implication that others adopt the same attitude. To recommend. That's what he's saying. You guys should be approving of me as an apostle. You should be you should be recommending me. Oh, Paul's, Paul's legit, man. Paul's legit. Right on. That's what I'm talking about. That's what he's saying. He's saying, instead of me going, let me tell you about my revelations, let me tell you about heaven, let me tell you about all this stuff I'm going through as an apostle because I seem to be fighting... He says, You guys should be doing this. You should be indicating approval. See, these so called super apostles, well, they were trying to be, now, this is going to hurt, okay? This is going to hurt. These so called super apostles were trying to be lifted up by trying to find all the wrong things in Paul. You go, Why does that hurt me? Because I think we have a tendency to do that at times. Okay? We don't want somebody to succeed, so we start finding the little kinks, or chinks, however you want to say it, in their armor. You want, oh, look, there there it is. There's a weakness. That's him. And that's what they were saying with Paul. Paul, you have, you write mighty letters, but when you come, you're just this little pin. Your letters don't match who you are. and And they're trying to find... Instead of preaching Jesus, guys, they're trying to find... Paul's weakness and we need to be so care I need to be so careful here's the three here's the thing you ready whatever lane you're in run your race don't worry about somebody else's lane okay anybody ever run track anybody ever Jesse you ever run track you did when, when you took off Jesse did you ever look back to see where the other team was you don't, don't you, do you? But why? Because you trip, right, Joe? But that's how we run the Christian way. like, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder why you. And we're running sideways half the way. And we run your race. Run in your lane. Run your lane. This is what he's saying, right? He's saying. But they weren't. They were focusing on Paul. They were focusing in Paul's weakness. That's why Paul wrote, guys, in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 10, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same things, that there is no division among you, but that you perfectly join together in the same mind, in the same judgment. What does he say? Verse 12. He says, And I say this to you. Some of you say, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. He goes, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the temple? says, no, 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 listen, let me tell you. Jesus is the center. Amen. He's the centrality of who we are, Jesus. Don't be looking at other people's weakness to lift yourself up. Don't be looking at what's wrong with that person. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is that, Lord? What? That works in marriage, too? It works in marriage, too. What do you mean? Oftentimes in marriage, okay, here we go. Step on toes time. Put your toes out there. Right? Oftentimes, here's what we do in marriage. Well, let me tell you. She did this. He did this. She did this. He did this. But in marriage, we should go, what am I doing? How can I fix me? And I know it's hard because when you fix you and and your spouse keeps doing the same, it's hard. But we got to work on it. Guys, we got to work on us we got to work on us you know that old saying right when you point one finger you have me coming back work on us work on us so here in and back in our text 2 Corinthians 12.12. 12. He says, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and deeds. Now, if you have a pencil, guys, circle the word for truly. Why? Right? Why? Because some have understood this to mean, um, basically, you have not commended me even though I have performed all the signs. Okay? You, you guys haven't recommended me. One commentary says this. Listen. The phrasing suggests that the apostle could be recognized as such by God-given ability to perform certain miraculous signs. He goes, "Guys, listen, this it is. This you should be looking at me." The word truly goes, "This is, I've, I've, I've proven to you. I came and I planted the church. I've texted you. How you doing? I've walked with you. I was there when your loved one passed." And I was here to celebrate your wedding or the birth of your child. I was, I was there. And you should be, that's Paul, he's legit. Paul's legit. Right? I like what sis told me last week. Uh, sister texted me, she goes, man, that after Paul had, had, had said his thing, it was, was one of those mic drops, right? Boom. Because he said, this is, I've been to heaven. I've seen stuff. Have you? But he has to go on and he has to explain to them. Oh, Pastor, what's the application for us? Guys, for for us to finish well. Paul doesn't brag about the revelations and the signs and the wonders. He's not like going, hey, let me tell you. Let me tell you what heaven's like, man. I've been to heaven. I've been to heaven. I've been to heaven, bro. I've been to heaven. As a matter of fact, me and Jesus, we talk all the time, man. Have you talked to Jesus? You haven't talked to Jesus. Because I talked to Jesus, he would tell me he would have talked to you. He's not doing any of that stuff. Why? 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 Why is he not going, be healed? Why is he not bragging about all the miracles he did, Eva? Why? I'll tell you why. Listen, because he says, I just want to tell you about Jesus. The miracles, revelations, those things come and go. But you know what doesn't come and go? A life that's transformed forever. A life that's transformed. Now, here's why. You guys ready? Here's some great application. Miracles and signs alone are no proof that is a man sent from God. There are no proof. Okay? Satan himself has miraculous credentials. When a servant's life and motives are pure, then we can trust the miracles that God may give. But when his or her life is not right, those miracles cannot be from the Lord. How do you think the Antichrist is going to get people to follow him? How? Miracles, signs, wonders, all of that stuff. But we don't follow signs and wonders, do we? We follow the Word of God. That's different. If somebody came in here and goes, follow me, look at the signs, I mean, mm -mm, let's stick to the Word of God. That's what I want from you people. That's what he's saying. He's saying... But he's saying we must also recognize that Paul was called to be an apostle. Therefore, his message was valid, and it was the message of the cross. Guys, do you understand the message of the cross? Do you understand the gospel? Okay, think about this. In heaven, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're all having amazing fellowship. They're having fellowship. And then sin enters the world, and the father looks to the son and says, You're going to have to go and pay the price for their sin. And you know what my Jesus does? He goes, I know. So at the appropriate time, what does God do? He bankrupts heaven. How so? He takes everything, he sends his son Jesus, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man. He grows up at the, thir- at the tender age of 33, he's convicted, he goes to the cross. But first, he's beaten. He's beaten so bad, guys, that there's... there's, You know what Isaiah says? That you can't recognize him. You don't even know that's Jesus on the cross. He's beaten so bad. His beard is pulled out. His hair is pulled out. Everything else. Then they nail him to a cross. And Jesus willingly says, I'm going to go to the cross because I love you. I love you. And he says, I'll do that. He goes on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning. At 3 o'clock, He dies. They come in, they go, yep, yeah, he's dead, let's not break his leg. So they take a, a spear and they stab him and blood and water flow. You know why blood and water flows? Because his heart exploded inside and, and that's all that came out. He, he died of a broken heart for you. Wow, I guess it's over. I guess that's it. No, 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 they lay him in a tomb and guess what happens? Three days later, ooh, the earth begins to shake, right? The stone is rolled away and Jesus comes out and he's alive forevermore. Okay? He resurrects. But remember, that's not ascension. He doesn't go to heaven right away. He goes out and he says, man, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm... He's over 500 people saw him at one time. Can you imagine? And then 50 days later, he says, okay, I'm going to heaven. 40 days, excuse me. 50 days is Pentecost. And 40 days, there he goes. He ascends to heaven. Guess what he's doing right now? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. He's praying for you, Becky. That's my, that's my daughter. And, but she's a mess up. She, she's a sinner. I know, but I paid the price for her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See? And then he says, now, how do you get saved? If you just believe. If you'll open up your heart and you invite him inside and you'll believe and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's, that's the message. That's the message. Paul's saying, that's the message. The signs and wonders, that's just going to validate the message. The message. Well, he goes on, guys, because we don't have time to expend that. I mean, we're running out of time as it is, but he goes on and he says, verse 13, for what is it in which you were inferior to other churches except that I myself was not a burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Now, in other words, let me give it to you what Paul is saying. He says, um, the only thing I fail to do which I do in other churches was to become a financial burden to you, please forgive me for this wrong, so in other words there you uh, was there uh, he's either being a little bit sarcastic or he really is asking for forgiveness for the sake of making peace. He didn't want to wrong the Corinthians, he founded the church and he taught them the gospel of Jesus. This is what he says he says guys i don't I made you inferior to other churches because i didn't Sponge off you. Guys, this is why at Calvary Chapel for the last 17 years, we have had what we call agape boxes. Other churches pass the plate, but we want a church where you go where, where, where you matter most. We still need money to operate as a church. You understand that. But that's never the issue. That's never the issue. Because people need to matter most. Money's gonna come and go, but you matter. And that's, that's what Paul's saying. He says, I didn't want to be a financial burden. I didn't, guys, there have, I haven't been in them, but there have been churches, I don't know if you've been in them, where they, they ask for money three times during the service. Right? Okay, this is our first offering. And then our second offering, and, and and again, that's, that's on them. Okay, that's, that's them. I'm, I'm talking about us. You know what we do? We put little wooden boxes and we say, Lord, where God guides, God provides. And you wouldn't believe how he's provided. Unbelievable. On 17 years, God has provided. Look what we have. Wow. Can I let you in a little secret? Sometimes I still get nervous. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, little. What does he say? Oh, man, a little faith. I, oh, wretched man that I am. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, listen, This is, this is is this is what we do. This is what we do. I'm going to teach you the gospel. That's more important. Now, verse 14. He says, now, for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought to, what? Not lay up for their parents, but the parents for the children. And I'm very glad to spend and be spent for our souls, for your souls. Though the, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Listen to what Paul is saying. Paul says to the church, guys, that he's not going to be a burden to them. Because he goes, I don't want your possessions. I want you. I want you. So when it comes to Paul's ministry, guys, he desires to think of them that as a parent to small children. Isn't that what we do? Hey, listen, parents in here, if you're providing for your family, I commend you. Dad's going to work, I commend you. Because that's biblical. That's biblical. You're not sitting here going, Samuel, better start giving me some money. Hey, better. I mean, I'm getting old. I mean, I'm going to have to retire soon. Dad goes, no, I'm going to work and I'm going to take care of his needs. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says, listen, I'm not after your stuff. These super apostles, can you imagine? They were charging. To come in and, listen, we're going we're to do this. We're going to do this. We have this great super apostle coming in, and he's going to charge you guys, but that's okay because you get to hear him, and he's so eloquent. He's so amazing. He's so good-looking. He's so blah, 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 blah. Paul's like, I want you. I want you. Can you see how this relates to the church today? Can you see how it is sometimes? It's like, you know, you really want to see your favorite pastor, but you realize that there's a cover charge, or you realize there's a... I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we should charge for the gospel. And, and people would argue with me, yeah, but there's expenses to be caught. You know, Christian artists comes through, they charge so many dollars a ticket to go see them. I, I get that. They, they've got to make a living. I under, you understand that, but the gospel should be free. That's what Paul is saying. Paul encourages guys to finish well because God's heart is for us, not what we could give him. Notice what Paul writes in verse 16. Some of you admit I was not a burden, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. That's what he's saying. Now listen, here's what Paul's going to do. Paul's going to call them guys to repentance next week. Okay, we're going to talk about repentance But that's next week's teaching, so what he wants to do. So now Paul finishes up with these two verses. Paul says, I didn't take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent. As a matter of fact, I urged Titus and sent your brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not talk? Or did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? He goes, man, the people I sent to you, they didn't take advantage of you either. Can you imagine? If Paul's going, listen, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to burden you financially. Hey, Adam, get up here and ask for an offering. I'm not going to take anything. Adam, get up here and ask for an offering. That's what he, he's going, no, the people I sent to you, they didn't, we walked in the same footsteps. You know what he said? He said, Adam, when you go to that church, don't ask for an offering. I'll take care of it. Don't be a burden to them. Jesse, when you go there, don't be a burden. Alex, don't, don't. You guys see what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. He said we walked in the same footsteps. But the, but the exhortation, the exhortation, guys, is that, okay, here we are November, what are we today, guys? November the 8th. And we're in the fight of our lives. Okay? Spiritually. Okay? The enemy knows his time is short. I fully expect the Lord Jesus to come back at any minute. I fully do. I looked up, I don't know how many times yesterday to the east, and today, right now, let's go. I really believe that. Now, God has a plan, okay, so nobody knows the day or the hour, but I fully expect that. I, I live that way. I live that way. Do you live that way? So we want to finish well. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you. Don't let the enemy trip you up in these last days. Listen, guys, using a, a sports metaphor, we're not in the fourth quarter. We're in double overtime. This is called sudden death. The enemy knows that. And what he wants to do, Rose says he wants to trip you up in these last days. He wants to get you shelved. He wants to get you to walk away like Solomon or Demas. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. Pastor Ben, I've got a theory. What if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back for twenty years? We still got to stay focused because we don't know. None of us are powers to tomorrow. See, church, listen, and I don't. I don't make light of it, but we have people dying from COVID. And it breaks my heart. But we also have people dying from other things, car accidents. regular accidents wait you guys understand I mean we, we, that happens we have to be ready we have to be ready we have to be ready thank you Jesse <laughs> only one but that's okay okay so, so let's close let's close um, I want to leave you with some practical applications so as we close the Bible I'm going uh, to I said okay so Lord if we're going to finish well if we're going to finish well wh- wh- what do we need don't, don't we need something Let's put something in our pocket. We need some, how are we going to finish well? Well, I went online, I went to the Navigators. I don't know if you know who the Navigators are, but they have a great website and it was seven crucial characteristics that will help you finish well, seven. You can jot them down if you're pretty fast, some of you, I will. Um, number one, you want, to, you want to finish well, you have to have intimacy with Christ. Okay, what does that mean? Our highest calling is to grow in the knowledge of Christ and make him known to others. Intimacy with Christ. What does that mean? We turn off the TV from time to time, we spend time with Jesus. More time than not. Do an evaluation. Lord, how much time do I spend with you and how much time do I spend? That's the first thing you want to finish well. Number two, fidelity in spiritual disciplines. Faithfulness in spiritual disciplines. Disciplines like what? First of all, men remaining pure. Remaining pure. Guard your eyes, guys. Guard your eyes. Pornography is rampant out there. Disciplines like praying, praying with our wives, praying for our children. Discipline, guys. The spirit. Be faithful in the spiritual. Discipline in reading the word. Discipline in sharing Jesus, fellowship. Number three, you ready? A biblical perspective on circumstances of life. A biblical perspective. You go, what does that mean? Part of the purpose of our suffering and trials is to drive us to dependence on God alone. How many times, I don't know why I'm going through this. I do. I want to get closer to God. What does God do? He responds by revealing more of himself to us. Listen to me. Listen. When Nathalie had cancer, and God was healing her, and she had chemo and radiation, all of that, she says, I felt the breath of God, literally. She says, I haven't felt it since. I felt the breath of God. That's how we have to walk close with God. I, feel that. I want to feel that. I want to feel that, guys. A biblical perspective. Number four, you ready? A teachable, responsive, humble, and obedient spirit. There's none of us in here Go. Well, yeah, I know that. I know the Bible. Yeah, whatever Pastor Ben is going to say, I've already studied. We come in going, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I need to have a teachable heart. I need to have a teachable heart. I need to have a humble heart and an obedient, I'll do it, Lord. Number five, they say, a clear sense of personal purpose and calling. What has God called you to do? A clear sense. I know what God has called me. You want to finish well? You got to stay on that path. Number six, a healthy relationship with resourceful people. Healthy relationships with resourceful people. Number seven, ongoing ministry investment in the lives of others. We have to be pouring into others. Wait a minute, Ben. That's exactly what Paul said. Paul said he had a humble spirit. He had a humble heart. He wanted to see others saved, and then he wanted them to be taught the word of God. We have to be investing in others. Could you imagine, could you imagine if every one of us in this room took one person and discipled them? We would grow exponentially. Just one person. I'm going to disciple them in the word of God. That's what we need to do. Amen? As we come to a close, guys, as we come to a finish, here's the bottom line. We're in the fourth quarter. I've given you the gospel. Jesus Christ died. He saved you. And now it's your response. You go, why? Well, I always never want to leave an, an opportunity without giving you your opportunity to come to Jesus. This is the most important time of our service. Because there are people watching online. There are people in this room. Maybe you're not right with God. Maybe you're, you, you've walked away from him. Maybe God brought you here today for that reason. And, and, and throughout the message, I was saying some things in the word of God. And you've come to the realization, I don't have a relationship, Ben. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want one. I don't know if I'm saved. Well, guess what? God's here and he loves you. And he has a plan for your life. But what do I have to do? You just have to open up your heart and invite him inside. But you have to acknowledge first and foremost, you're a sinner. And so what I do is I usually say, hey, how many of you want to give your life to the Lord? Please lift up your hand. Everybody's eyes are closed and their heads bowed. It's between you and the Lord. And I want God to zoom in in your heart and say, are you serious? Okay, I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to change it. But you have to take that first step. Why? Because my God is such a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your life. He's not going to force his way. He's going to stand with his arms wide open and say, please come, please come, please come. Don't don't play church. This be the church. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. You have to do it yourself. You have to lift up your hand. So let's pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and the truth in your word. And how much we love you, God. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, may your Holy Spirit, Lord, either watching through Facebook or listening to your podcast, Lord, that um, there might be somebody here that's not in a right relationship with you, but today's their day, God. Hallelujah. We rejoice in the days today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anybody here that says, Pastor Ben, you were talking right at me, man. You were talking right at me, and I need Jesus. I want to be make sure, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. I want to know. It's not about coming to church. It's not about joining a church. It's about being right with the God that created you. Well, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, every eye closed and every head about, all you have to do is just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, would you just pray for me? Would you just pray for me? Lift up your hand and say, I, want, I, I can see you. God bless you, sister. God bless you. Good move. God bless you, brother. I see you anyone else anyone else God brought you here? Just lift up your hand so I can see you god 's moving and god's moving don't we 're in the last days guys we 're in the last days. I promise even if we have twenty years, this is still the last days. I want you to live out your life. I want to make sure you make it home. Anybody else any of you watching online just lift up your hand i can 't see you, but God can. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. I thank you that you're already, you're still saving people. And I pray that today would be the last Gentile that would come to know you. We could go home. If you raised your hand, would you pray this prayer after me? Would you say something in your heart like this? Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. (sighs) I've tried to do things my way and I've messed up so bad. Now I'm doing things your way. Forgive me, Lord of my past, forgive me of my um, present, forgive me of all the things that I failed to do. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I need help, though. So I'm asking you to come into my heart to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, to be my friend. I surrender completely. I repent of my old life. I turn away from it, Lord. All the stuff, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and that was your first, first time, we have a Bible for you. I want to make sure you get off on the right start. If it's a rededication, welcome. We love you, we love you, we love you. Man, what a great day. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh.